Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski from CatholicMomsGroup.com. I would like to welcome all of you signing on. I love seeing those little numbers pop up as you sign on. Can you please say hello to us in the chat so that you, we know that you're here? Um, it encourages us when, when you chat to us and you, you say hello. So please say hello. Tell us where you're from. Tell us how many kids you have. Um, tell us how many times you've been here. Anyway, so it's Dorothy Polarski from Catholic Moms Group. We are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And I would like to welcome a very, very special guest that we have today. Anna, doctor, I shouldn't say Anna, I should say Dr. Boyagoda. Welcome, welcome to uh, Midday Moms. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Dorothy. Yes, thank you for this invitation to be here with you today. Uh, it is fun to see all the little um, names pop up and chat uh, introductions here. I see actually a few names I know. Natalie, hello, and Anna. Um, great to have you with us tonight. Today, this afternoon. Today, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a long way to go until we get tonight. Yes. Got a couple more sessions after this. Uh, so about me, I was just telling Dorothy that I'm a mother of four girls, with my youngest being in grade three and my oldest just starting high school this year. It's a very strange year to be beginning high school, but it's a uh, delightful. It's probably a, a mother's dream to have a child starting high school and have them not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> no parties allowed, right? Hallelujah! <laughs> so it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so that has been a dream. Uh, what else about me? I'm a catechist at uh, our local parish at Corpus Christi. I'm a catechist for the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, uh, and I've been doing that for well, I've been involved with the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd since my oldest daughter could attend the program. So that would have been 11 years ago. Oh, wow. So welcome. You know, it's so exciting to have you here. I want to uh, welcome, you know, those of you that have uh, signed on. Anna from Schomburg. Oh, I love seeing your name, Anna. Anna's a regular, so it's great to see you. Lisa Schwartz, um, great to see you. You have a 13-month-old daughter named Angelica and a three-year-old boy named John Paul. Um, beautiful, beautiful names. Thank you very much, Lisa, for joining us. Um, Adriana from St. Catherine of Siena in Mississauga. You have three kids and one in heaven, who I'm sure Adriana is interceding for you. Um, I hope you get to visit, when it starts again, their mother's group with Candace Pingle. We've got two mother's groups at uh, St. Catherine of Siena. Hello, Catherine Lewis. Good afternoon, all the way from Brampton. You have two young boys, seven and four. Angela from St. Gertrude's in Oshawa. Angela just finished. Um, we had the How to Start a Mother's Group workshop for the first time on Zoom. And we had three um, two-hour sessions recently in 
Angela is a convert to the Catholic faith. And when she contacted us, she was like so on fire and she's so excited because she's saying, I've had to do this whole thing on my own. And now I have all these Catholic girlfriends through Catholic moms. So Angela, thanks for joining us again today. Uh, Natalie, hello. This is the first time with this group. Um, Natalie, can you tell us where you're from? What parish are you from? Um, what city? Oh, Marie Healy, all the way from Kansas City, Missouri. You have a one-year-old and a two-year-old, and you're due in April with baby number three. We'll be praying for you for sure. Really, really very excited. Um, Marie, we'd love to know how you found out about us. I, I love, I get so excited, you know, and these new people are joining us today. So let us know how you found out about us. Um, Vesna, you're a regular here. Great to see you, Vesna. Beautiful and happy year of St. Joseph, of course. Uh, Pope Francis declared uh, it being year of uh, St. Joseph. Mary Ann Lee, good afternoon from Ajax. Um, Adriana Arias from St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, Jeannie, um, Jeannie, you've come quite a few times. It's great to see you from North Scarborough. Hello, Peggy, with both that hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Uh, Janice, um, you're from Milton. I know you, a parish secretary there in Milton. Wonderful to have you here. Uh, Lucy, hello to all. Lucy, thank you for joining us. Becky Avila from California. Whoa! <laughs> um, please do let us know how you found out about us. We love hearing from you. Um, Okay, so uh, Kate Abbott, Kate from Washington, D.C. Oh my gosh, I love Washington, D.C. Have some great, great memories from uh, taking the kids there to all sorts of uh, sites. Um, you grew up near Niagara Falls. You have great connections in Ontario. Hey, we're going to get you a start uh, a mother's group in Washington. Then I'll have reason to go down there. <laughs> um, so a big hello to Lisa Schwartz from Arkansas. Hello. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, let us know how you found out about us. We love hearing from you. Caroline, blessings from uh, Campbellville and the Atrium of St. Catherine of Siena. Yay! You've got a couple of fans here. Great. Um, okay. Thank you, Leslie, I, too. Hello, Leslie. It's so nice that you've joined us. Yeah. Thanks, so, Caroline. Oh, my gosh. So it's we're just thrilled and honored that you're here. I just, we're just like so excited. So thank you all of uh, you for joining us. Um, if you're signing on, please do say hello, hello, hello. I did want to tell you just a little bit about our ministry. I'm going to share just three slides very quickly. Um, I have known Dr. Boyagoda for almost six years now. Um, she is on the advisory committee of our mother's ministry. And uh, I have learned so much from her and she's always been so supportive and so encouraging. And when you're launching something new, you know, you need some cheerleaders and you need some encouragement because it's not easy. <laughs> Launching something new is like, ah! <laughs> so I, I did want to publicly thank um, Dr. Boyagoda just for all of her hard work and all of the time that she's put in uh, to the ministry. So let me just share a couple of slides. Hopefully I'll do this correctly. Um, there we go. So, um, 
so again, we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Um, our website is catholicmomsgroup.com and our tagline is, I love my Catholic moms group, love, laughter, and moments of grace. Um, and we have an annual conference, the Dynamic Women of Faith Conference, and we are in, working in partnership with the Archdiocese of Toronto on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Um, you know, like in, in these days, like moms are like stretched in 101 different directions. You know, if you look on Instagram, they're supposed to be sexy. If you look on Facebook, they're supposed to have immaculate houses. If you look in the magazines, they're supposed to be sex kittens. If you look at the, another magazine, they're supposed to be amazing cooks. And sometimes we forget that our primary duty, really the greatest gift that we can give our children is a dynamic and vibrant um, spirituality based in Catholicism. That's the greatest gift. And I got into quite a discussion yesterday and I won't do it again today. Uh, someone was saying, oh, don't you think that the Catholic church places too much emphasis on our blessed mother? I'm like, no, <laughs> in our culture right now, more than anything, I think we need our Blessed Mother's intercession. Um, I keep on saying that, you know, systematically our culture is squeezing out motherhood. You know, who has the time to bake? Who has the time to make a home-cooked meal? Who has the time to go visit the sick? Who has the time to go visit the imprisoned? Who has the time to make handmade gifts? Who has the time to pray with your children and maybe go to an extra uh, weekday mass? And it's, it's like, I don't know, I just think it's crazy and my heart is so... Uh, pierced. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you just yesterday or the other day, someone in our neighborhood secular group on Facebook says, you know, my kids are two weeks old and I'm looking for a spot in daycare. Can you help me? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're here to remind moms that being a mom is a tremendous gift. It's a sacred responsibility with sacred duties. And our ministry wants to help you, you know, and we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. Um, we have worked with well over 40 parishes in starting Catholic moms groups. You'll notice that we have both moms and tots uh, groups, whether we have mothers with newborns in their groups. We also have groups that quote unquote, are just mom's groups. And they're the, it's the type of mother group, mother's group where moms really want uh, to get away from their kids. And so it's an evening group. And we have now virtual groups. So we help parishes start three types of groups. We help them start um, a mom's group with no kids. We help them start a mom's and tots program. And we help them start a virtual um, mother's group if they, they want to do that. And so in uh, the past six years, in conjunction with um, a, a committee that I work with, and uh, gosh, we probably have about 35, maybe 40 mothers group leaders, um, we have been working really, really diligently to help start uh, or to help create materials that moms like you can start a mother's group very quickly. We have a publication, how to start a mother's group. We've got a workshop. 
um, a, a webinar style workshop on how to start a mother's group. We've got a 52 week study guide. We have had an annual Catholic mom summit from the word get go. And we have a mother's group starter kit. And we have, you know, Midday Moms. Midday Moms was created in response to COVID. We didn't want moms in our archdiocese to feel like, you know, that they were alone. We wanted them to know that we're praying for you. We offer two masses a month for all the moms in our network. Um, and we've been meeting weekly ever since COVID broke out in this format. So we want to thank you again for joining us today. And I want to more formally introduce uh, Dr. Boyagoda before she starts her reflection. Um, Dr. Anna Boyagoda received her PhD in English from Boston University and moved to Toronto in 2006 with her husband, Randy. Her writing has appeared in the Globe and Mail, the National Post, and First Things Magazine. In 2016, after acting as volunteer catechists in various um, Toronto parishes, Anna was named coordinator of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program for the Archdiocese of Toronto. She regularly offers talks and presentations on the formation of small children and their parents based on models and ideas of the catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Welcome, <laughs> Anna. We're, we're honored to uh, we're honored to have you here. I'm wondering, um, you know, my, my own kids did go through the catechesis of the Good Shepherd at Our Lady of Sorrows Church, uh, probably about. <laughs> a hundred years ago now. They're, they're, they're young adults with Our Lady of Sorrows Parish. Uh, so we have many beautiful, beautiful memories. But I'm wondering whether there might be people here who've never heard of the uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Can you tell us a little bit about what that program is and what it involves? And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. I would love to. I would love to. And I know a lot of people here know a ton about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So if you want to contribute anything, put it into the uh, chat, please. I invite you. Uh, and first, I want to say just, you know, thank you for the invitation, Dorothy. Usually, when somebody asks me to give a talk, it's with a bit of trepidation that I say yes, because I am not a natural extrovert. And so it's like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> you know. But with your invitation to speak about Advent and celebrating Advent in the home, it was an immediate yes. <laughs> I would love to do that, because it is my favorite time. It is my favorite time of year to celebrate with my children. Um, and I, I think at this point, I can say that they are entering into that spirit as well, uh, despite all the imperfections and bumps along the way. So I'm really glad to be here to uh, first talk a little bit about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and then to see how it lives in the home during Advent. Uh, so the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd uh, is a Montessori-based approach to catechesis, and it is something that has stolen my heart, my children's hearts, and I know most of the hearts of the people who volunteer in this work. Uh, what the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd does is it takes very seriously uh, the children's developmental stages and prepares an environment for them to come to develop their relationship with God in a way that is 
very precisely tuned to where they are at developmentally both physically, spiritually, and intellectually. Uh, so the way you usually see the catechesis of the Good Shepherd live is in a parish uh, as a program that meets once a week. There is a level one program for the children aged three to six. And the fact that it starts with such little children, age three, age three uh, really sets it apart from other programs. It recognizes that, you know, at every stage of life god has given us everything that we need to be in relationship with him so we don't you know we don't skip over the little ones because god calls them to that relationship just as fully as he calls a 25 year old a 40 year old an 80 year old right can so I, can i just pipe in there I, I i'm just like so thrilled to hear you say that because so many times moms are like oh these like young ones are too little to take to mass i'm like are you kidding like little children can receive grace they can receive supernatural grace and they can be more mystical than all of us put together and and so oh I'm my goodness just, isn't that true yes yes it's one of the things that we say the best thing now there has a there's a a budding infant toddler program in the catechesis of the good shepherd but the strongest message in that program is take your child to mass with you every day you know as often as you can yeah, yeah. Take your child to mass because everything about the mass everything about the church building is designed to lead them to god and it's so mystical, right? They look at the stained glass and look at, you know, and all the seniors that bring them little gifts once they come regularly. <laughs> I know, it's so beautiful, the community, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you see how, uh, you know, that kind of pre-literate stage really responds to the symbols in our church, right? Which is what they were designed for constantly during the homily at our uh, services. My littlest one is talking to me about the stained glass windows and what they mean, right? They're speaking her language, which is how, how it was, right? It's how it was designed. So um, yes, this three to six year old, such an important stage of catechetical formation. Then the six to nine year old and the nine to 12 year old. Uh, and those, you know, Maria Montessori, would say that those stages of development, you know, as a child enters from one stage to the other, they become a completely new person. She likens it to the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly, right? Each stage, the same creature, totally new, totally new, totally new way of engaging with the world. So the Catechesis of Good Shepherd kind of prepares this environment within the church, which is like a retreat house for the children to come to, uh, to hear God's word, to hear the announcement, and to pray, to practice their prayer. So I have a little video that um, Dorothy has invited me to share with you. Uh, and I want to share it with you because it gives you visually a sense of what the program is. So I'll go ahead and do that now. Our world moves very quickly, it's very loud, 
we're always running and this I think is challenging for all of us but especially so for our children and where can they find a place where they can just be to be children to be children of God The Catechesis of the Good Shepherd first and foremost recognizes that a relationship already exists between the child and God, and it seeks to help the child enjoy that relationship. What I love most about this method is that it really respects the dignity of the child, the developmental age, and the needs that children have at their different ages. Sophia Cavaletti, who was one of the founders of it, really watched and learned based on the responses of the child, what is the face of God that the child really needs? The catechesis welcomed to me with great joy. I like all the works, and I also like reading the Bible pretty much because I like what's in it. It's pretty cool, actually, when you get to see what God can actually do. It's quiet. I like the peace. Con gran alegría y siguiendo los mundos. You look at, you know, the beautiful parables of the kingdom. The kingdom is like mustard seed. The kingdom is the pearl. The great joy is in the parable of the pearl. You know how the pearl is so beautiful. It's going to give you the stories. Jesus is going to give you the parables he told and the meaning to that. How simple it is and yet so profound and beautiful that um, it's really impacted my life. They delight. In fact, I remember a child, we were talking about how he calls by name, and the child said, yes, he calls me Julia. I think I fell in love with my faith all over again when I watched nine little boys, very rambunctious little boys, standing outside playing, and a woman came to a door, rang a bell, and these little boys lined up and entered a room. And I thought, what are they doing in there? <laughs> Gotta go find out. That was uh, very, very uh, beautiful. It really, uh, that comment really struck me that we, we, we follow the child. Um, I have a, just a very uh, quick story. When um, my kid, you know, I think my son was like three or something and my daughter was five. We used to go a fair bit to, um, to Holy Rosary prayer group at, you know, St. Clair and uh, Young and, uh, and they would often have Our Lady of Fatima, the different prayer group members could take, you know, back to the thing. And so I took Our Lady of Fatima. And then 
you know, one month passes by, another month passes by, another month passes by, and I'm not getting back to the prayer group because, of course, you know, as a mom with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, you, you can't do all the things you used to do. And I've got Our Lady of Fatima on the kitchen counter, and I'm just like feeling so guilty because now we're in month four, the you know, month five, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I finally, finally phoned my brother and I said, George, would you do me a favor? Take this statue and just return it to this parish. And he's like, okay, I'll do that for you, no problem. And my son, he was like, mommy, it's not going to be the same without her. Wow. He was so attached. He got so attached. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, Michael, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, 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 get, we'll get a statue of our Blessed Mother. I promise you. Like, if you love our Blessed Mother and you want her in the kitchen, um, we're going to have her. And so for my daughter's first Holy Communion, I went out and I got this statue. And then my son looks at me, goes, oh, mom, if you got her for Monica's first Holy Communion, for my Holy Communion, you're going to get St. Joseph, right? And how could I resist? And so St. Joseph is in another room. But again, like, I love this idea that we're following our children, like their prompts, right? You follow their prompts and you grow in holiness, they grow in holiness. And, and so anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, but I was just, uh, I was really taken by that, I that comment. I'm up on that because it is the perfect introduction. I'll skip over what I was gonna say because what you're articulating is the effective component of, of our faith, right? That attachment that forms and that forms so readily for the littlest ones, right? Mm -hmm. And that is such an enormous part about of what we're gonna talk about today with our Advent celebrations. Okay. Everything that we do in our home, <laughs> yes, thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> ritual, it's forming those attachments, right? Yes. Like, you know, for my mind, it really, it goes back all the time to attachment parenting, just forming the attachment and that bond of love, which is at the heart of the relationship, right? Because we can come to it uh, intellectually and we can seize on it and assent to it. Mm -hmm. But to have that attachment component is it's so important and, and it makes it so much easier, the living of our faith. Doesn't right? it? And that's what we have this kind of unique ability to do as, as mothers right? Yes. To bring into our homes all of those, those items and those practices, those rituals, which form those attachments. Yes, yes, yes. So, so tell us. So let's talk about them. Okay. So, like I said, Advent is my favorite time. I don't know that I have that much, which is, you know, you new or unusual. I think it's pretty common. So most of you probably know this, but let's just kind of go over some of it. Um, first and most important about Advent, it, I, I think, you know, the first thing that you would introduce is, is the Advent brief. And I can see my son is starting to come in. So I don't know if you can see. Yes, no, it's fine. It's good. You can see it there, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so every year, 
first to, you know, first few days, instead of going out and getting a Christmas tree, our family takes out the Advent wreath. And it's very simple. I, I was lucky enough actually to find this very beautiful one, um, which says along the base here, look for the joy that comes to you from the Lord. And I love that on there because uh, it says so much about the preparation that we need to do during the time of Advent, which yeah. is to prepare our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. And that there is a direct correlation between the joy that we experience and the longing that we have. Mm -hmm. Christmas. So I'm just going to, excuse me for a minute, pull down my shade because the sun just hit that point where it's in my eyes. Is that better? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we set up our Advent wreath and we put in our three purple candles and our one pink candle. Mm -hmm. And every night then we come together as a family for Advent time. And, and so you, it, you come together every night? Is every that night. Oh. Yeah, and this year, of course, it's much easier than it has been in the past. <laughs> than at home anyway, so we have not failed yet. But <laughs> I want to stress from the beginning that it can be a challenge, right? It can be a challenge to have a nightly prayer together because we have busy lives and people are always moving in different directions and and that sort of thing but it doesn't matter right now that i have a daughter who's entering high school i can see that the attachment has formed despite all the imperfections along the way of i'll talk about this when i talk about this later that the five years it took me to <laughs> actually complete this work, it's still settled into their hearts, right? The whole process of it, the importance of it, that sort of thing. But we come to the Advent wreath and we light the Advent candle. And this has important theological implications, of course. Uh, Christ said, I am the light of the world, right? And it also is a draw for the children because it's elemental and they like nothing better than lighting a candle. And if you can do it, if you can let them light that candle from the time that they're little, right? You're there guiding them, but you strike the match and you hand it to them. Mm -hmm. Oh man, are they attracted to that work. They so, are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coming to have Advent is not a fight because they want to get there and light the candle. There's something mystical about it, right? Especially if it, the, the room is a little bit dim and then you... You know, and they feel like such a big boy, you know, lighting that, uh, that candle. Yeah. No. In the darkness, in the cold, right? There's a reason why God chose this image for himself. I am the light of the world. Uh, and then as we light the candle, we sing. We sing, light one candle, and then each candle has a different meaning. So the first candle stands for hope. The second candle stands for peace. The third candle stands for joy. In the fourth, nope, the, hold on a second. I have this written down. Uh, in the fourth for love. I'm gonna just see if I can put that into the chat. There we go. Uh, so we sing light one candle as we light the candle. I'm gonna put that into the chat as well. And it changes with the week. There we go. And very quickly, it's such a simple song that the youngest children can sing it. Uh, and you would think that then the older ones would be ready to move on from it, but they're not. <laughs> they go right back to those very, very simple songs that have been a part of them since the time they were born, really. We do that and then we choose 
again, just to keep it simple, because the more simple it is, the more you're going to accomplish this plan, right? So we've been using this book, The Season of Light, but there are so many, and I really like this one. It's quite beautiful. The, the prayer is not long. It's, um, it's communal. It touches on the messianic prophecies. Uh, so I, I really suggest this one, but there's so many that you can pick from. But just, just to have something that's easy to do. All you have to do is pick this up and, and lead the prayer. And again, children love leading the prayer. That's, you know, just like lighting the candle, leading the prayer. It elevates them. It invites them. So we do that. And then we sing again. We sing, Come Lord Jesus. And I have that song ready for you as well. Uh, which, it, again, is a beautiful song for little ones that my children, as they've gotten older, have, have uh, seemed to stick with. So you can find the audio for these songs online. It's pretty easy to find. And there's hand motions that you can do, which again, for your little ones, uh, that invitation to movement and to pray with their whole bodies reaches them where they're at. Yeah, and one thing I, I always like to encourage moms too is that whenever you go on um, road trips, just you know whether it's during Advent or any time during the year, uh, we used to have the practice of, uh, of playing those like children's uh, Bible songs, right? And when they're they're really little, and those songs are so joyful. Um, it really does something, you know, to them, you know, like this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And, and it's funny because now, like there were a couple of these CDs that, oh gosh, I think we played them at nauseum. There were about four of them in a set. And um, it was remarkable because, you know, my, my son had turned 22 or something. And then one day just randomly, he started to sing all of those songs and it was like it's like i always say that if you get into their hearts when they're little right like you, you make as many deposits of grace as you can you just don't know what is gonna bloom or how it's gonna you know pop up and um you know my kids will both do like certain marching songs that they're soldiers for god and and uh and, you know, maybe 20 years has gone by since we've listened to those CDs, but it's there, right? It's there. I have to say the other night during Advent, my husband started doing the hand motions all on his own. <laughs> no, and it's wonderful that your husband is on side because some moms, you know, they, they write to me and say, well, Dorothy, you know, you're lucky that your husband's practicing the faith like a lot of moms you know, their husbands aren't practicing the faith. And I always say that, mom, for those of you that have a husband that is not practicing the faith, your role then becomes doubly important, right? And make that sure- That was the household I grew up in. My father did not practice at all, uh, oh, but my mother passed all of these traditions down to us. So it's, it is possible. It is harder, but it's very possible. It's, it's harder, but today, wh whoever you are out there, I want you to make the resolution that if Anna can do it, I can do it. Please, I am begging you moms, don't throw in the towel. 
just because your 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 husband is backsliding or don't throw in the towel even if one of your adult children is backsliding you know i always say remember we've been given this torch through the centuries one generation to the next generation to the next and um we're depending on you. I always say, if a mom doesn't pass down the faith, ah, you know. Uh, so sorry for interrupting you. I'm. Uh, I don't mean to do that, but um. oh, yes. Yeah. So the Advent wreath that I would say is the heart of our Advent celebration. The nightly gathering around the wreath, lighting the candle, and singing together, and then we always close with "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Okay. That very powerful Advent song, which once we enter into the O Antiphons on December 17th, we get to sing all of them with the Advent wreath. Uh, okay, good. So what you'll see behind me here is an adaptation, as I said, that which we worked on for many years, my mother-in-law and I. I kind of thought she was going to take over and do it for me after <laughs> got all the ideas. <laughs> So it was a long work in progress and, um, you know, something that we would live partially every year and then fail on. Uh, but my children love it now. And it's so much easier because they are the ones who are motivated to go and do it. So let me back up and say what the Jesse tree is. I don't know how many, how common the Jesse tree is for people. If this is, I know it's something I grew up with. Do we see in the chat people saying, yes, I know the Jesse tree. No, I don't. Yeah, so it, I, I'm curious to hear from those of you that are joining us today. Um, do you know about the Jesse tree? Are there any other traditions that you'd like to share with us? Um, Kate Abbott says, no, she doesn't know about the Jesse tree. And I'm going to make a confession that I don't either. So. <laughs> <laughs> my, kids, <laughs> my kids probably know about it, but uh, anyway. Okay, um, fantastic. So the Jesse tree is, it's similar to an advent calendar okay. in that it marks the days. It's like a countdown to Christmas, but okay. it's based on the prophecy of the shoot of Isaiah. So okay. can I read you just a little, well, can I read you a piece of that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Look. The sovereign, the Lord of hosts, will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The tallest trees will be cut down and the lofty be brought low. He will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe and Lebanon with its majestic trees will fall. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I'm gonna skip a few verses. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. 
The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Ethiopia, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. My goodness, I guess being an English major, you, uh, you re read with such passion and articulation. <laughs> It's very dramatic. <laughs> dramatic prophecy. Uh, it's one that we that we've all heard, right? At, you know, almost everyone has heard at least the lion shall lie down with the lamb, right? We know yeah. that, but do we know the fuller context of it? Not always. So, in this prophecy, we hear about a time of darkness. A long, long time ago, we hear a promise of a shoot, a promise that is fulfilled in Christ. You know, I should back up and remind people that Jesse is the father of David, right? So okay. Christ being born in the lineage of David, he is the shoot that comes out of Jesse. Ah, okay. okay. Jesse's the father of David. Okay, so we hear this promise of a shoot, the promise which is fulfilled in Christ. This is one of the messianic prophecies. And then we hear a promise of a time to come that has not yet been fulfilled. And that promise is that time when God will be all in all. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is that time to come when we will, when at last creation will be restored to this kind of perfect harmony in God, the end times really. And the Jesse tree, it connects children to this history and positions them within it, right? Where they kind of have this, this sense of a history that, that existed long before them, will continue to go on after them, uh, but a history that's not over. It's a history that they're participating in by the very fact that they too are waiting, okay? So how does this work with the Jesse tree? It takes you through sacred history, mm -hmm. just by lifting up some of the dominant uh, symbols and people, etc. So we start with creation, and then we go to the fall, which fell on the floor appropriately. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Noah's Ark. Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Abraham, the promise made to Abraham of the descendants that will be as numerous as the stars. Joseph's coat, right? So we're kind of tracing the covenant through history until we get to Christ. Okay. It's not in me. Well, here we go, Star of Bethlehem, right? So we're kind of getting closer and closer as we go along until Christ's birth. So that's what the Jesse tree is. It's this advent calendar that takes you through the story of sacred history, positions you within it, mm. uh, gives you that sense of fulfillment of the prophecies in Christ, uh, mm. but also uh, connects you to it by your own waiting for that time to come, right? Understanding that God's promise was fulfilled in Christ, but in a localized way, right? Through his resurrection. It hasn't been fully extended throughout the world yet. In mm -hmm. other words, we still experience death. 
Mm-hmm. But we know the promise that that is to come. So I think it's just this beautiful, beautiful way of helping the child who is, you know, so for the very youngest uh, children, their waiting is just waiting for baby Jesus, right? They like, they're not moving outside of their very local environment yet. So they are waiting for baby Jesus. But once that child gets to the age of six and they're able to start understanding time and history, that waiting takes on a fullness, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not just celebrating something that happened in the past. We are living out something right now in this moment. Our waiting continues. And that's what Advent really is and needs to be. Mm. And, you know, just in the way that you're, you know, describing it too, I I think that what it does is it, you know, it it challenges the child in a particular way and it stretches the spiritual faculties of the child as it's getting older, right? And so if we're always just sort of spoon-fitting, I think our our children, you know, pablum spirituality, it's going to become, I think, a little bit, you know, tasteless and meaningless. And uh, so I, 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 you know, I guess to my, my, uh, <laughs> I, I shouldn't admit this publicly. They always say, Dora, mom, what do you say? Don't tell people. <laughs> but I, I always say like my, my, uh, my, my husband's got three master's degrees in He's a heck of a lot smarter than I am. He's a convert and he read his, he, he read his way through the faith. And, and my children are uh, remarkable, you know, thinkers as well. And I'm like, I'm just a little simpler. And so I've always loved having, um, you know, my, my husband as a husband, because then I could say, okay, John, you know, you got to put some meat on the bone here. I'm a devotional uh, Catholic who uh, hears the truth and knows the truth when it's heard. And I've, I've read hundreds and hundreds of, of books, but I'm not, you know, including Dr. Alice von Hildebrand and Scott Hahn, but I'm not great at accessing it and articulating it. It's not a, a gift that I've had. I've, I've read it and I understand it. And I think what this does too is it, it you know, I think children are less likely to reject the faith as they age if we make it richer, uh, uh, you know, that it's not just uh, a cultural phenomena, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's not just this little practice that we have. Uh, And, you know, what I, sorry, get rid of the buzzing phone. Uh, um, Yeah. So what's so important, I think, about this, two things I want to say. First, that um, always when I give them a scripture passage, my children, that goes along with one of these symbols, creation, Noah's Ark, whatever it is, it has a corollary passage in the New Testament that shows its fulfillment, okay? Okay. So that kind of balance that happens becomes very important for them to Mm -hmm. kind of see it. This is not just the story of the past, but it's a story that reveals to us something about who God is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that it reveals is that he is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his covenant, Mm -hmm. right? That we can see those moments of fulfillment and Mm -hmm. we can trust that there will be more of them. 
right? That if he has fulfilled all of these promises, the other promises, like the one that we heard later in that prophecy will also be fulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. So we speak about this in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, we speak about this as an education to hope. Mm -hmm. And I think it, you know, it's one of the most important things that we can give to our children right now, because I think it's something that uh, they're really lacking in. Uh, this, you know, really came home to me, can't even remember now with everything we've been going through in the last year, how long ago this was. Uh, but at that time in Toronto, when there was a lot of activism surrounding climate change, and we were hearing interviews on the radio all the time uh, with young people saying, I'm so upset about uh, climate change, I can't get out of bed in the morning this kind of depression and stepping back uh, and it really stuck with me because my thought is if you are that passionate and concerned about climate change you should be leaping out of bed and going to do something about it right mm -hmm. but they had no hope they had no hope in the future and you know you see this in our mental health crisis you see it across the board and our faith is the antithesis of that Right? We have to give it to them, this education to hope, this, this sure knowledge that our God is a God who loves us, calls us by name, and wants the fullness of life for us. And that the way he teaches us to live is what's going to lead us to that fullness of life. It's... Uh... I could, I could, I could feel your, your passion. It's so, it's so beautiful. And it's, you know, I, I had a similar experience. I remember one year with the, with my kids in elementary school, it was like, you know, first they had a presenter on bullying. Then they had the a presentation on drugs and alcohol that they're going to, you know, come into contact with at, at school. And then they had another presentation on drunk driving. And then they had another present. And I'm like, would you let these kids have a childhood? Yeah. You know, like we just burden them. And, you know, I, like sometimes I just think that we're crushing our children with all of these burdens and not giving them a holy, innocent childhood. Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I wanted to just touch base with some of the moms in the chat here because there's all sorts of uh, wonderful, wonderful um, ideas here. Um, you know, Vesna says the Jesse tree is neat. I've seen many different versions. Uh, Melanie says, yes, we started this tradition this Advent Caesar, season of Caesar. Sorry, I guess I'm thinking about salad, Caesar salad. <laughs> um, uh, Kiera says, we used to have a big cave image on the wall and we would pick out different characters from the nativity scene and stick them in, in and around the cave for the for Advent. The cave was more from the Byzantine um, tradition. Um, there's lots of good info and idea for symbols in the Loyola link there. Uh, we also used to put hay down in our kitchen on Christmas Eve and the children would sleep. In no way. <laughs> that is like super that is cool. Really amazing. <laughs> Very remarkable. Um, Tanya Lee uh, puts a link. The children can color ornaments and make the tree with green construction paper. Um, someone's put a link in for a couple of Etsy shop. I'm doing the Jesse tree with my three-year-old, but we're making our own ornaments. I wanted to mention too that I don't know if any of you here 
are uh, Polish, but in the Polish tradition, um, we used to, my mom always had unconsecrated host that would be, um, she would get some hay. And so, you know, she'd have a beautiful either crystal or porcelain dish and put the hay on the porcelain dish and then put the, uh, in Polish, it's called opłatek, unconsecrated host on the table. And um, before the meal, we would all break the bread and, um, you know, uh, extend wishes, you know. So, uh, Christopher, I hope that this year, you know, you get into the university that you want. Thank you for being such a good nephew. And each goes and breaks bread with everyone um, around the table. Um, my mom also had the tradition that um, she would put pictures of her deceased mom and dad and my father's deceased you know, mom and dad on the uh, dining room table is a symbol that they're still with us, that the faith was passed down from them, and we would pray for the repose of the soul of the deceased. Um, Polish tradition too on Christmas Eve, we have 12 different foods, each one representing, um, you know, an apostle and mom would always leave a space. Um, she would, she would set the table, but the space was for someone that might need food that night. And that it was a symbol of the fact that a stranger was welcome in our home. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, great traditions. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, Okay, so on that note, you know, there's so many places where you can go to find things to do. And I, I know I have this book, A Year in Our Children, uh, which is a fabulous little, just throughout the year, ways to celebrate. Uh, and that's something we should talk about, the idea of celebration. Uh, but also probably my most regular go-to is catholicculture.org. Yeah, catholicculture.org. Uh, which has a, there's only one section I ever go to, and it's the section on the liturgical year. Every day, there are ideas of what you can do in your home to mark this time of year, this particular day, whatever it is. There's crafts, there's foods to cook, there's different traditions from across the world. So it's a fabulous resource. And I just, I put the link in the um, chat there. Who wrote the book that you, um, I'm a reader? Uh, the book is Mary Reed Newland. Okay. I put that also into the chat. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, so, good resources. Uh, and the Jesse tree, I saw all the comments there about the Jesse tree. There are so many ways to do it. You can do it with clay. You can do it with paper, coloring. These are made out of felt. Uh, you can, this actually was an advent calendar that my aunt made when I was little and I repurposed it as a Jesse tree. But you can get a stick from outside and put it in a pot and hang them on that. As I saw somebody else did, hang it on a blank Christmas tree. You know, all a billion different ways to do it, just to live that out with um, oh, Someone's that. asking here, um, <laughs> I would love to know if there is a nativity scene that has an expectant uh, Mother Mary with baby Jesus in her tummy, so that we can visualize and teach our children and maybe some grown-ups to patiently wait for the coming of the Savior. Um, are, are you familiar with any nativity scenes that... 
I don't know a nativity scene, but I do know that Catechesis of the Good Shepherd USA, if you go to their website, they have a beautiful statue of the expectant uh, Blessed Virgin. And she's holding a dove in one hand and she's got a nice big belly. Uh, and it's lovely. It is very lovely. It's only about, you know, that big. It's not too expensive. Unfortunately, it is in the U.S. Um, I have, okay, so we can move on to nativity sets. Yes. Um, oh, wow. You fooled me there. I didn't know you had more treasures behind <laughs> brought up. So actually, I meant to talk about St. Nicholas Day first. So I'll just touch on that. St. Nicholas Day is another wonderful way to celebrate Advent with your children. It's December 6th. St. Nicholas is the patron saint of children. St. Nicholas is a precursor to our Santa Claus, right? He is the real Santa Claus. I come from a Germanic background. I come from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we all celebrated St. Nicholas Day. We hung up our stockings and they were filled. It was this great, great day. Nobody celebrates it here. Uh, and that's kind of neat for my children because it is a delight to, what do I want to say? There are so many things that we have to say no to in the world because we are Catholics, right? And I have made that kind of clear to my children from the time that they were little. We're different. We don't do that. We don't accept that. We don't believe that. We believe this, right? So that kind of sense of being set apart is something that they've grown up with. Uh, and sometimes that's a challenge to have to say no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a delight when you get to celebrate St. Nicholas Day and nobody else's, right? So I mention that now because one thing that my children get in their St. Nicholas stocking each year is a nativity figure. Oh. So, you know, over the years, they come to have a full set, and then that's their own that they can take, you know, as they go off and start their own family. Uh, so you can see, I just brought some of them up. I, I wanted to go to it because on that note of, um, this is one of our nicer ones, but I just fell in love with this. It's not the pregnant Mary, but look at her. She's lying down and snuggling baby Jesus. <laughs> it reminds me of your statue, Dorothy, behind you, actually, that tender hold with the, yeah. So that's my youngest. It was the last one we found. And we tried to make sure they're all very unique. Um, so they have that sense of their own, but we have, one of them has this uh, super tiny version. Uh, and this is the one that I started for our first daughter. And I really like this one because it is so child friendly. Oh my goodness, it's, it's beautiful. Not, it's beautiful, but it's wooden, it's sturdy, and they can use it, right? It's not something that, like this one is not something to play with. Play isn't the right word, but you know, it's not really something yeah. that should be manipulated a lot. Uh, that's okay because we have a lot that can be manipulated in our house. But the reason I would encourage, aside from the symbolism, the reason I would encourage having a nativity set is because your young children can use these figures, figures to continue their reflection on the scripture passages that they hear. Right. I've heard too that uh, Saint Therese used to love to play with the infant Jesus. Like, 
it was uh, like as a child Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I would say now we cannot run our Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program right now because of COVID. So we have been making materials for the children to use at home. Uh, so because we know that the work of the hand is so essential to their receiving the message, right? We have to do that work of proclaiming the good news to them. But for them to then receive it and continue their prayer with it, they need to use their hands. That's just the age that they're at. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, set up this for our children to use at home, which is going to be very similar to what we have in our program at the church. This box is from the dollar store. And these are just wooden dolls, wooden figures. Uh, and they're painted right now just as a base so the children can themselves finish them. This is intended to be the visitation. Mm -hmm. So it'll be Mary and Elizabeth, and this will get, they will draw Elizabeth's house here. Okay. But it's going to be, they're going to hear the words of the scripture mm -hmm. passage, mm -hmm. and then they're going to use this to continue thinking about those words. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I just really encourage having things that children can use with their hands because that is the way they pray. How do the little children pray? with their hands, <laughs> through song, mm -hmm. through kind of really brief ejaculations of um, praise or, you know, whatever it is, and through their artwork. Yeah. So to give them opportunities to do that during Advent, it'll be a great way to help them develop a daily habit of prayer, really. Mm -hmm. Good. So... Are there any, um, so Leslie Verver says um, that, uh, that they, that she celebrates, um, that she celebrates St. Nicholas with Dutch wooden shoes and chocolate letters. Uh, St. Nicholas brought my kids presents last Sunday. Uh, fantastic, Leslie, that's uh, amazing. Um, it's the happiest day of the year, isn't it, Leslie? It's just like beyond delight for them. Last year, St. Nicholas brought my children a puppy. A puppy? Oh my gosh, so how exciting was that? Yeah, that <laughs> That's His name is Nicholas. The dog's name is Nicholas Virgil now. So uh, they will always love St. Nicholas. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very memorable, uh, a very memorable um, St. Nicholas <laughs> feast day for sure. Uh, so, uh, moms, do you have any, oh, oh, my kids were upset that they didn't get a puppy. They keep on asking for one. Well, Next just, year, I'll talk to, tell them to talk to St. Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> and if you tell them to wait, uh, you know, long enough, it'll make it more exciting when they, when, when they get it. Um, so, it, I wanted to thank all of you for joining us. If you have any other questions or thoughts, I, I did want to ask you, I know that it's, COVID now and and so it's impossible you know for the mother's group for the mother's groups to meet face to face um but if someone in the art that's here from the archdiocese of toronto if they wanted to find out more about you know the catechesis of the good shepherd um what parishes is it in like how can they reach you so if, if people want to kind of continue with this. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Thank you for asking, Dorothy. Uh, yes, yeah, so the best way to find out is to go to the Archdiocese webpages, Arch Toronto. Really, if you just put into Google, if you put in Arch Toronto Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, 
it'll take you there. You'll receive more information about the program, but you'll also see a little tab that says find an atrium. Uh, and then it'll take you to a list of all the parishes that are running the program. You'll also see a tab um, that will enable you to find out about the formation courses that we offer if you have an interest in becoming a catechist or if you have an interest in bringing the program to your parish for your own children. Okay, so that, that's and what, what would and be my email is there. Your, your email is there? Okay. Yeah, you can email me directly. Yeah. I, and I can even put it into the chat. Sure. And if, if any of you, after the session is over, you're like, oh, what was this or what was that? If you want to send an email uh, to me, I can certainly forward the email um, to Anna. As I mentioned, Anna is, uh, you know, part of her mother's ministry. So I'm in fairly regular uh, contact with um, Anna. If, if any of you too are interested in, um, you know, this isn't our typical experience of mother's group. Um, all of the mother's group leaders are having their own Zoom meetings and they're smaller and all of the moms kind of pop up on the screen and they pray the rosary together. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so if you're interested in finding out about uh, mother's groups, go to catholicmomsgroup.com and you can find um, the different mother's groups as well. So if you're interested in a smaller, more intimate mother's group meeting, um, I know that, you know, Rema's here from St. Benedict's, but there's, you know, there's many, many mother's groups that you can join. And uh, I keep on dreaming that somehow we can get an atrium wherever there's a mother's group and we can get a mother's group wherever there's an atrium. <laughs> yes, that would be ideal. Wouldn't that be ideal? Ideal, because the mothers get what they need and the children can go get what they need. And there's my dog from St. Nicholas who- <laughs> Who's uh, coming in to, bucks, say, yeah. uh, to say hello. Um, anyway, I, uh, I, do you have any closing comments or any closing thoughts, Anna, or? No, I apologize for not getting to read, uh, getting to the section where you read the infancy narratives with your children. So I will just encourage you to do that and read it straight from scripture and let it sit with them. Ask wonder questions about it. Look for the contrast that you find. Uh, how woven together are the ordinary and the extraordinary and that this interweaving leads us to ask that question, who is this child? Who is this child? So just if you kind of continually ask that with your own children, who is this child? And then who is this mother? It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an absolute pleasure and uh, a joy to have you here, Anna. Thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us. Um, Melanie, thank you for your thank you. It's always, uh, it's always wonderful to hear from you. I, I, we really love seeing you chat in the chat. It's a heck of a lot of fun when you do. Um, uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is coming to St. Vincent de Paul on Roncesville. Yay, that's fantastic. Amazing, amazing news. Um, fantastic. Um, Angela, who knows? She's our new mother's group leader at St. Gertrude's. Maybe uh, Angela will get fired up and we'll have a mother's group in one room and catechesis of the Good Shepherd in a, another room. Um, oh, they're starting a new formation course in July. So if anybody's interested, reach out. 
reach out. Yes. Um, and again, contact me. I'll forward it to Anna or contact Anna directly. Um, do you have any mothers groups in Maple? We have a mothers group in Richmond Hill, which isn't quite Maple, St. Mary Immaculate with Father Paul Zoborowski. Um, but who knows, Carmela, maybe you could start a mother's group. <laughs> um, we're always looking for uh, moms to start a mother's group. Remember, we've got a mother's group starter kit. We've got training. Um, and Regina Gardzinski says, this presentation was absolutely amazing. Thank you. What a great way to introduce children to the Catholic faith. I know, too, that Maximilian Kolbe Parish I don't know whether it's in Polish or English, but they actually, I just, this is what I love about the, the Polish church. They have an Advent retreat for children at Maximilian. Oh, beautiful. Oh, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, they, they have an Advent retreat. And, you know, they, they regularly bring uh, some priest from Poland who is just fantastic in getting kids involved to sing and host ret Lenten retreats for children. Um, hmm. We can't forget about our children. Like we just, like, I, it drives me nuts when people say, well, I'm going to start bringing them to children to church when they're 12. And I'm like, you think if you haven't taken them for 10 years, do you suddenly, <laughs> you know, like how misguided, right? How misguided. I always say too, that when you're bringing them to mass, when they're little, they're learning very quickly the importance of mortification and being quiet for an hour. And well, little children love silence. They need movement but they love silence. Yeah, oh gosh, see, I'm, I'm, uh, I've learned so much from you, Anna. <laughs> oh, okay. My children are home from school, that's my signal. Yeah, the signal. Okay, so it's 10 after three. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for uh, coming today. It was fantastic to have you here. Next week, Thursday, I have a pretty remarkable surprise. I want to share it with you. Um, we have a Catholic mother coming to talk about Christmas at the North Pole from the North Pole. Okay, so I have a, a Catholic mom from the North Pole. And I said to her, do you have a church in the North Pole? She goes, of course, it's St. Nicholas. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, if you're interested in meeting uh, a, a mom from the North Pole, uh, and she's the mother of 10, oh my gosh, I'm like, I, I can't even handle my two, never mind 10. But uh, anyway, her uh, husband's in the Air Force, and uh, she, she I, I was chatting with her early this week, and the stories she was telling me, my jaw was dropping. Anyway, I hope you can come next week uh, to meet uh, April from the North Pole. She'll be joining us. There'll be a time difference from her, but we'll be here. And um, she'll tell us all about St. Nicholas and her parish there. Uh, what is her name? Her name, her first name is April. And I'm sure I know, I, I'm sure I know her second name, but it's escaping me. Um, at the moment, but we'll be sending out an email. Um, remember, she's not from Brampton. She is from the North Pole. She is in the North Pole. She's from the North Pole. She was born in the North Pole? <laughs> no, she was born in Pennsylvania. Um, and, but she's been in the North Pole with her husband for 28 years. And uh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah, I like it. Girl, isn't it, isn't it dark there? But <laughs> but uh so if you're interested in that next week she'll be it's it's meant to be fun and it's meant to be something uh you know who would have ever thought they've got saint nicholas parish right um so <laughs> so anyway i uh i i i send you all of my love please know that we're praying for you we order two masses a month especially for the intentions of moms who are connected with our ministry so keep on coming back and you'll keep on getting all those graces associated with uh with the masses and um whenever i go to holy hour praying i'm always praying for the moms in our ministry thank you anna i learned so much uh you're such a precious gift um and uh hope we can have you back sometime talking about how to manage children, little ones at mass. That seems to be oh. a topic that's really popular. I've done that for one of your mother's groups before. Yes. And so <laughs> when COVID's over, remember, you can invite Anna to come, uh, Dr. Boyagoda, I shouldn't say Anna. Um, you, should, you can invite uh, Dr. Boyagoda to come to speak at your mother's group. She is on our approved list of speakers. So um, please invite her to your parish. Tell everybody about the Good Shepherd program. It is fantastic. And as I always like to close, I'm so glad we had this time together <laughs> just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it, comes a time to say mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> so long. So thank you everybody for coming. Hope you can come next week. Uh, Anna, thank you. If I don't talk to you, Merry Christmas. and uh, Merry Christmas to all. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us today.